0: Good morning, morning. welcome to this worship service of Ada First United Methodist Church. It is a joy to be gathered together this morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, to worship our risen Lord and Savior. My name is Reverend Brandy Rigsby, and I'm thankful for each of you that have come out on this cool morning, but slightly more beautiful than yesterday when some of us were sitting at soccer games. Um, (laughs) But fall has arrived. It definitely has. And so it is nice to enter into this new season in the life of the church and to be gathered with one another here this morning. I wanna take a moment just to offer a few reminders and announcements. I wanna welcome each and every one of you. If you're visiting with us today for the first time, we extend a special welcome. If you're joining us online, thank you for um, finding the time and the means to do that as well. And if you are online, take a moment to check in, say hello to one another, and know that if you do have any questions, uh, Mark is in the back, keeping track of those and responding to anything you may uh, post Or questions you may have we do have our offering basket in the back of the sanctuary where you picked up your bulletins but we also have an online giving option we have the um, QR code available or at the top right hand corner of our church website but we thank you for your gifts your tithes your offerings that help to support the ministries of our church the work that we do both here in our building in our community and around the world as part of our larger denomination also, another reminder, today, right after worship, Ms. Sarah Gracie is going to be in the um, meeting room right across the hall from the sanctuary for the card ministry. So each month we have dozens of birthday and anniversary cards that go out to the members and friends of our congregation. And so she would like to ask for your help writing those cards a month in advance. So if you can meet with her after the service for just a few minutes, um, help her write a few of those cards, that would be greatly appreciated. And I know those who receive them are filled with joy as they receive those personal messages each time. Our second annual Trunk or Treat is just around the corner, October 26th and that is from 5.30 to 7.30. That's during the community trick-or-treat time, but we have um, several folks already. We need a few more to sign up. We'll be out in our new parking lot, um, decorating the back of our cars to come in costume, ready to pass out candy. We've already begun collecting candy, but if you would like to donate for that or if you would like to participate in the Trunk or Treat, again, that's October 26th. That's a Thursday evening and you can see myself or Amanda Rains if you'd like to sign up to help. Pastor Ruth is offering the second of her advanced care planning workshops next weekend. That is Saturday, October 21st at 1 p.m. They will gather downstairs in the fellowship hall. She already has quite a group registered, but there is still space for more. If you're interested in hearing more about what that will entail or to register for the workshop, you can find Pastor Ruth after the service today downstairs in the front porch area. I reminded each person, each of you last week, and I will do so again today, that Pastor Wayne and Fern Albertson will be visiting with us next Sunday during our worship service, and then we'll offer some fellowship refreshments afterwards so we can all uh, spend a little time saying hello to them and sharing some memories. Um, but we look forward to having them in worship with us next Sunday. As many of you know, Tom Cassell passed away recently. And so his calling hours are actually this afternoon from 2 to 4 o'clock at Hanson Neely Allison Funeral Home. And Shirley wanted me to extend an invitation to each of you to know um, that she appreciates your thoughts, your prayers, the support that you've offered in the past week. Um, so please feel free to stop in from 2 to 4 for those calling hours. The funeral service will be tomorrow at the funeral home at 11 a.m., and then there will be a lunch to follow here at the church. And again, she wanted to let all of you know that you're invited to not only the service but to the lunch afterwards. And she did donate some flowers this morning in memory of Tom, sharing um, many years of love with Tom, his, his family, and, of course, with the church family as well. Finally, we will have fellowship refreshments after worship today. Our United Women and Faith will have brought those uh, refreshments to us this morning, and they are actually taking a big part in our worship leadership this morning. So I want to introduce Kathy Smalley this morning, and she has a few words to share.
1: Thank you, Pastor Brandy. It was a dark and stormy night in 1869 when eight women in Boston gathered and formed Women's Foreign Missionary Society. And shortly after that, another group formed Women's Home Missionary Society. From 1970 through 2022, we were called United Methodist Women. We're now called United Women in Faith. Uh, The focus remains (laughs) the same. We're interested in supporting missions locally and globally. There are 87 mission sites that are connected with United Women in Faith in the United States and then many globally. A woman does not need to be a United Methodist to be part of United Women in Faith. And to learn more, we are actually up to date beyond 1869. We have a very nice website with lots of information. So I'll also remind you, stop for refreshments, and I'm going to ask Pastor Brandy if she would come up for a moment. We would like to recognize Pastor Brandy for all the support she gives locally for missions, both in our congregation and in our village. I didn't get that out.
0: That's
1: okay. So it's gonna look similar to this. And we Thank thank you very much for all that you do for Ada First United Methodist Church and Ada and beyond. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
0: you, Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate all the work that are uh, United Women in Faith. I'm still getting used to that, that new name, but all the work they do, they are often the ones behind the scenes that are doing so much work and sometimes we don't even notice it. It just gets done and it would only be if it didn't get done which will never happen that we would notice but even tomorrow as we gather for lunch and memory of tom they will be the ones there to make sure that the food is prepared that the family is being taken care of and supported during this difficult time so and i can't even begin to wrap my mind around all the ways that they are involved not only in this church but as a larger larger organization bringing care and support and so many um, wonderful ministries around the world to those in need. So I want to thank our United Women in Faith for all the work they do, for their um, persistent, their commitment, their prayerful care for our congregation and for so many others. And now, friends, as we move into this time of worship, may we know that God's Spirit is in this place, that God's Spirit is moving and working among us. May we come with open hearts. May we come ready to hear the voice of God speak today. Will you join me in an attitude of worship?
1: Please rise as you are able for the call to worship. Those who love God. God will deliver. Those who know God by name.
2: God God will protect.
1: Those who call out to God.
2: God will answer.
1: We gather this morning.
2: As those who trust God.
1: Please remain standing as we join in hymn 2087, which is in the small song book in your pew.
3: Once again, our first scripture reading is from 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. You can find this in the Pew Bible on page 908. Tell people who are rich at this time not to become egotistical and not to place their hope on their finances, which are uncertain. Instead, they need to hope in God, who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. Tell them to do good, to be rich in good things they do, to be generous and to share with others. When they do these things, they will save a treasure for themselves that is a good foundation for the future. That way they can take hold of what is truly life. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you would join us in the hymn of grace, the spirit song, you can find that in the hymnal on page 347.
0: to take just a moment and tell you a little story so last weekend and this weekend we've had soccer tournaments and um, the season is about eight games long and in the tournament last weekend Harper played four games so um, it was a long weekend and she was very upset last Sunday morning she, or yeah when she found out she was gonna have to go to soccer instead of church And then this morning, we all had a similar occasion, but Haley found out she could go to church and soccer. And so, you know, I'm gonna take advantage of rejoicing in that while it lasts. Um, And I have to say that I can't take a lot of credit for it because one of my children and I have had a rough week. um, We're maybe a little bit too much alike. And so I didn't think she'd wanna be anywhere near me this weekend. And so to have them so excited to come to church every Sunday, to know that all of you are showing them love and care and that they just look forward to it. And I know all the children that are gathered here on Sunday mornings, they look forward to this. They don't care that they have to get up early. They don't care that they have to sit through a sermon that's maybe not all that exciting sometimes. But they know that being in this place is a place where they will be loved and they will be adored and they will be appreciated. So I wanna thank all of you. For the care that you give the young people in our congregation and on that note i want to invite all of our children forward as miss myra shares our children's message today
4: Good morning, boys and girls. Why don't you scoot down a little bit and get together a little better? That's better. All right, well, I'm going to tell you a story from the Bible this morning, and it's about two men. One of them is called the rich man, and the other one is Lazarus. And they live back in the... Bible times where there weren't any cars or motorcycles. They had to walk wherever they went. And they didn't have fancy backpacks like you do nowadays. No, they didn't. They had to wear sometimes clothes on top of clothes. Do you think that would be fun? No, I don't think so either. Well... As I said, one was a rich man, one's name's Lazarus. I'm going to talk about Lazarus first because he had a rough life. He would work when he could get some work, and he'd get paid a little bit, but it was never enough to last. So the next day, he'd have to do it again. And and then he didn't have any place to sleep, so he'd go wait till it was dark, And he'd find a farmer's field, maybe had a nice tree he could lean up against, and that's where he would go to sleep. Well, (laughs) he just had to go day by day. That's what he had to do. And the other one, the rich man, what do you suppose? Did he have a good life? Yeah, of course he did. He was the one that owned the fields and he hired helpers but he just paid them enough you know not overwhelming just enough to get by but he was proud of himself so every once in a while while they were out walking because they did a lot of walking Lazarus and the rich man would meet and pass each other And, of course, as you can imagine, the rich man just didn't pay attention to Lazarus at all. He was too busy checking everything, making sure he looked good and had money. And poor Lazarus is walking really slow and looking down because he has such a rough time of it all. Well, back then, too, they didn't have hospitals or lots and lots of doctors. So they didn't live as long as what we do now. So it wasn't too long that they both passed away and left earth. Well, Lazarus, he got to go to heaven. And he met God there. And God thanked him for the good work that he did on earth, welcomed him to heaven with open arms. Now, do you think the rich man got into heaven? You are exactly right. He didn't. So he asked if he could talk to God because he didn't understand this. He had his land that he always made sure was out in crops, he hired workers. How come he didn't go to heaven? Can you think of any reason why he didn't go? Well, God asked him if he'd seen Lazarus by the road sometimes when they were both out walking. And he said yes. And he said, you never stopped to talk to him, did you? Well, no, God, because, you know, he was kind of smelly and he had dirty clothes on. So I... I just left you my home. Alone, excuse me. So God said, Well, rich man, I think you need to think about this, and maybe I'll, I'll have a meeting with you again, but you need to remember that where you are all God's children. We are all God's children. So if you see someone that needs help, you need to help them, right? So, Tomorrow, a lot of you go back to school, and hopefully it stops raining so you can go outside and play at recess. And maybe you come across a boy or girl that's just sitting on a swing, and they're playing with their feet in in the dirt. There's nobody there. What would God want you to do? Yes. Yes, ask him if he wanted to play with them. He do not have to play with them just a long, long time. No, but just for a little bit. And give them a smile. That'll last a long time. All right. Thank you, boys and girls, for being good listeners. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes for a short prayer. Dear God, Thank you for all the things we have. And remind us of what we need to do each day. Amen. Okay, thank you, boys and girls.
3: Thank you, Myra. Our second scripture reading is from Luke, chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. You can also find this in the Pew Bible on page 798. There was a certain rich man who clothed himself in purple and fine linen, and who feasted luxuriously every day. At his gate lay a certain poor man named Lazarus, who was covered with sores. Lazarus longed to eat the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Instead, the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried by angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. While being tormented in the place of dead, he looked up and saw Abraham at a distance with Lazarus at his side. He shouted, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I'm suffering in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime, you received good things, whereas Lazarus received terrible things now lazarus is being comforted and you are in great pain moreover a great crevice has been fixed between us and you those who wish to cross over from here to you cannot neither can anyone cross from there to us the rich man said then i beg you father send lazarus to my father's house I have five brothers. He needs to warn them so that they don't come to this place of agony. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They must listen to them. The rich man said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will change their hearts and lives, Abraham said. If they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, then neither will they be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. The word of the Lord for the people of God.
0: Glory to God. Good morning. So every year, Forbes comes out with a list of the world's billionaires, the richest people in the world. But I have to say, unfortunately, I didn't see any of your names on the list this year. You might recognize a few of these names, though. Anybody have a guess who came in number one on the billionaire's list? I hear some mumbling. Okay, I didn't know this person, Bernard Arnault. It might be because I can't afford his luxury lines of apparel, this is the, the man behind 75 fashion and cosmetic brands, including Louis Vuitton and Sephora. I had, um, Facebook must know the research I'm doing, it popped up a pre-loved Louis Vuitton purse ad for me at the low, low price of $4,950. Can you guess his net worth? Well, if you say 210 billion, you would be wrong because it is $211 billion. Number two on the list might be more familiar to us, Elon Musk. Tesla, SpaceX, his net worth, $180 billion. Number three, Jeff Bezos, Amazon. He came in at a measly $114 billion. Altogether, the billionaires of the world are worth $12.2 trillion. I have no idea how many zeros that is. But one of my favorite statements in this article, is that due to rising interest and falling stocks, nearly half of the list is poorer than they were a year ago. And I realized the word poorer is relative. Because here's the flip side of that coin. In the United States, the poverty line for a single person is $14,580. And on an international scale, the poverty line is measured at $2.15 a day. $784.75 per year that someone is expected to survive on. So it is hard to even imagine that the single mother harvesting coffee beans for less than $2 a day in sub-Saharan Africa, and Jeff Bezos, that they even exist in the same world But in our world, though, wealth and poverty have a way of creating this irreconcilable disconnect between human beings. But this story, the story of the rich and the poor, it is not a new one. In fact, the disparity between the haves and the have nots was often at the very center of Jesus' teaching and his parables. And perhaps nowhere else, though, does he speak with such shocking imagery than here in the 16th chapter of Luke. Jesus begins, there was a certain rich man who clothed himself in purple and fine linens and he feasted luxuriously every day. And then shifting his weight and drawing the crowd's attention to the other direction, Jesus continues, but at the gate lay a certain poor man named Lazarus who longed for the rich man's crumbs. I think it's worth noting here who it is that Jesus names in this story. There's speculation out there about the name of the rich man, but think about it for a moment. The rich man, the poor man named Lazarus. If you think about the contrast, let me jog your memory here. Who did I say was the second leading billionaire in the world? Elon Musk. Who was third? All right. Now, who is the poorest person in the world? There are millions and billions of them, and we can't even name one. But in this parable, Jesus names only the poor man, Lazarus, leaving the rich man unknown. You see, right away, Jesus is revealing his intention. He is flipping the script. He is saying what the world holds in esteem is not what I hold in esteem. Do you remember the first will be last and the last will be first? And perhaps the rich man isn't just one person. Maybe Jesus was actually naming the bigger problem. On one side of the gate stands the rich man, the haves of this world. On the other side of the gate stands the poor, the have-nots. And in between them, this line of division, this separation, perhaps a physical gate, but more than likely a metaphorical gate. There are barriers and systems in our world that allow some to prosper to excess and others to literally die of impoverishment. Now I know any talk of money among good Christian people makes us a little twitchy. And then you throw in the whole heaven and hell imagery. And you have a sermon recipe that can get a pastor in trouble but I don't know that Jesus was really concerned about a dollar amount that separates the rich from the poor. And I definitely don't think Jesus was saying that anyone with an annual income of more than $14,580 is destined for torment and fire, I hope. In fact, I don't think his message was really about dollars or heaven and hell at all. What I do think Jesus was saying is that today matters. Here and now matters. How we live in the present has consequences for tomorrow. And not just for ourselves, but for others too. Jesus was and is asking us to face the gates and the chasms that exist in our world and even in our own lives. In the words of Reverend Mike Marsh, Lazarus doesn't just represent poverty in the world. He also represents the rich man's impoverishment. He goes on to say, I suspect that one of the very reasons we set gates between the rich and the poor is so that we don't have to look into the eyes of Lazarus and see ourselves. Because if we did, if we ever truly saw impoverishment in our world and in ourselves, it would ask something of us. Friends, dare I say that, perhaps that's the very reason we preachers are always a little hesitant come stewardship season. Because stewardship asks something of us. It challenges us to take a look at our own lives, at our priorities, our values, our choices. It challenges us to ask, does my life, does the way that I am living align with the life that Christ has called me to? My time, my gifts, my presence, my word, my actions, do they reflect the love and the grace of Jesus Christ? As one commentator explains, Jesus is warning us that today's gates become tomorrow's chasms, those things that we use to hide away parts of ourselves to keep others at arm's length, those will become the very things that confine and isolate us. Think for a moment about the gates that we've created, gates between ourselves and others, rich or poor, black or white, gay or straight, Muslim or Christian, immigrant or citizen, neighbor or enemy. The list could go on and on and on. And those gates, those are not a consequence of circumstance or categories. What they really are, what they really are, are a condition of our hearts. So, what are your gates? What in your life is separating you from who God is calling you to be? What is separating you from God? What is separating you from others? What is impoverishing your soul? Is it anger? resentment? Is it guilt or grief? Is it an old wound? Is it loneliness or jealousy or any other number of things? What gates do you need to open so that you might truly experience the abundant life that Jesus wants for you?
3: Now, later on
0: in the story, This is where it gets really interesting. Both men die. And for Lazarus, the end of the story is good news. For the rich man, not so much. Verse 23 says, while being tormented in the place of the dead, he shouted, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And Abraham replies, a great crevasse has been fixed between us and you this chasm between the rich man and Lazarus, between the haves and the have-nots. It can't be fixed in the afterlife. It can only be crossed. It can only be clothed, closed in the here and now. Maybe you've heard the saying too, what we choose here, we choose for eternity. Friends, Jesus is calling his listeners then and his listeners now to pay attention to those gaps, to those gulfs, to those chasms that exist in our world and in our lives here and now. How are we being called to close or cross those gulfs? the gaps between the haves and the have-nots, between the powerful and the powerless, between those who are in and those who have been pushed outside. As the lectionary points out, did you notice the word choice? It takes a cross to close the gulf that exists between people. So maybe gates and chasms have more to do with our salvation than we've really considered. We know salvation is about making sure we are right with God. But what if we can't be right with God unless we are right with people too? What if our internal transformation happens in unison with our external transformation. Opening gates and crossing gulf's—that that is Jesus' call for us. It may look different for each person. Maybe for one there's a heavy gate that needs lifted and opened. For another maybe there exists in your life the chasm of a broken relationship that can only be crossed with forgiveness. This happens in our marriages, in our families, at work, at school, with friends and strangers. It can happen. Gaps crossed, gates lifted. It can happen if we are willing to truly see the person on the other side of the gate. Not as less than but as a child of God created in the image of God just as we are. It can happen if we're willing to set aside our own pride and desires and to be used by God. To be emptied of ourselves and filled with the Holy Spirit to live as stewards of God's love and grace. That is our call. That is our work as followers of Jesus Christ, to lift the gates, to cross the chasms for the sake of God's kingdom. Here and now, on earth as it is in heaven. Let us pray. Lord of mercy and grace, open our eyes today. Open our eyes to the world around us, the blessings and the joy, but also to the hard-to-see things of this world. And it's in those hard-to-see things, God, that we pray we can hear your voice calling calling us to have compassion and mercy to lift gates to cross the chasms of this world. Give us courage, O God, to speak up for the voiceless, to bind the broken, to heal the hurting, to lift up the lonely. Give us generous hearts and open hands And may we see the face of Christ in all people at all times. In his holy name we pray. Amen. you. As we pause in this moment, we reflect upon the blessings that God has poured out on us, on the call that Christ has placed upon our lives to live as stewards, to live as God's people here and now. We, we have been called to continue the work that began in Jesus Christ. So today, as we prepare to receive our gifts and our offerings, may we know that our very lives are a gift that we offer back to God. Will you please join in standing with me to sing together the words of our doxology, Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. you may be seated as we move into a time of prayer may we come with open hearts with open ears may we come not only lifting our prayers before god but listening for god to respond will you join me in an attitude of prayer holy and merciful lord With confidence, we have gathered today to worship you, to praise your name. For time after time, O God, you have come to our rescue. Within your loving presence, we find security and refuge. And because we have known your love in the past, we can look to the days ahead without fear, For even when we have turned our backs on you, you did not abandon us. You've called our names and you welcome us back with open arms, oh God. And yet sometimes we walk right by. Sometimes we fail to notice your presence among us and with us. We fail to see your face in the face of our neighbor. Sometimes we take ourselves too seriously and we look right past the needs of the world around us. Forgive us, Father. Forgive us when we care more for ourselves than anyone else. Forgive us for the gates we close, for the chasms we create. When we turn our eyes away from the pain and suffering of the world, we turn our eyes away from Christ. Forgive us. Open our eyes once more. Open our eyes and our hearts to see the needs of those around us and the call that you have placed upon us to be your healing presence in this world. And now, Lord, as your children, forgiven and enfolded in the grace of Jesus Christ, may you hear our prayers. We lift up the family and friends of Tom Cassell as they mourn his death. Lord, in the midst of their pain and grief, give them peace and comfort, for surely, For Tom's children and grandchildren, give them strength for the days ahead. May they find assurance, O God, in your promises and in the salvation that Tom has now found. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We lift up Debbie Corsaro. Brittany Corsaro's mom who is having heart surgery tomorrow following a car accident. Lord, in the midst of so much anxiety and trepidation, we pray for your peace to fall upon Debbie and Brittany. Lord, may your presence be known. May you bring healing and wholeness. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We lift up Sheriff Keith Everhart as he prepares for a kidney transplant this week. May your spirit fall over him, bringing peace and confidence. And God, we pray for your healing hand to be upon him. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We also lift up Luana Butcher, Nancy Wood Allison, Linda Epley, Rob McCurdy, Nancy Fleming, Gary Clawson. Father, we pray for your spirit to be at work in each of these lives. May you give them strength. May you give them peace. Lord, in your mercy... Hear our prayers. Father God, in a moment of silence, we pause to lift to you those prayers that lie on our hearts today. Even when we can't find the words to say, may we know that your spirit intercedes on our behalf. So in this moment of unspoken prayer, we lift our hearts to you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. And now, O God, we pray for the power of your spirit to fill us. Remind us that you have given us your love and that you have called us to share that love with the world. Through Christ, you have shown us what it means to live as faithful stewards of your blessings and your grace. So send us today into the world to open gates and to cross chasms. May we be a voice for the voiceless. May we be a healing balm for the injured, a guiding hand for the lost, and a beacon of hope for all those whom you send to us. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together by saying, and the glory forever. Amen. And now, as the people of God, children created in God's own image and called to go forth into a world to share the love and grace of Jesus Christ, may we stand together and sing together the words of our closing hymn, number 438, Forth in Thy Name, O Lord. Please rise as you are able. Thank you to our United Women in Faith for not only their leadership and the service and the refreshments, but for the ongoing work that they do in our church and part of our denomination and our church worldwide. Now, as you leave this place, may you go with eyes open to those who lie at our gates. And with the love of Christ within you, may you see the hungry and the hurting, the abused and the forgotten, And may you seek to share the blessings you have been given. In the name of God, the creator, redeemer, and sustainer, may you go forth to love and serve. Amen.